www.podcastnetwork.tv Podcast Network. Don't follow me, dumbass bitch. Why the f*** are you running? Then you just put your f***ing hands in my face. Get out of here. You want to see who the f*** I really am? Yeah, suck my Gentlemen, Now if I smack this out you, it's going to be a problem. What was the, what's the point? <laughs> this is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 107 for the week of February 29th, 2016. I am gray-haired tagalong David T. Cole, and I'm here with tiny camera Sarah D. Bunting. Click, click, boom. Unsupportable premise Joe Reed. <laughs> I'm so unsuspecting. <laughs> Burner phony Tara Ariana. Who dis? And model who's really into you for your personality, Stephanie Green. You're beautiful on the inside. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Extra Hot Great. We are going to be discussing catfish this week. I'm very excited. It is my joy. But first, Dave has an <laughs> announcement. I just want to remind everybody that you can buy an ad on this very podcast, Extra Hot Great, if you want to promote a business or a product. It is $100 to get in touch with our audience. If you just want to do a personal ad, wish somebody a happy birthday, wish them ill will, it is only $50 <laughs> for that. Go to previously.tv slash ads and sign up there and I will be in contact. That's it. Let us welcome back to the podcast our guest, Stephanie Green. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. (laughs) Hi, guys. We had Stephanie on because she watches this show because she has been... Now, I forget. Who who is it? Which side is is which on for you and Sarah have previously debated who's worse, Max or Neve? I forget who's on whose side. I'm pro-Max. Okay. Very strongly anti-Neve. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm anti them both, but more strongly anti-Max, although I feel the universe has now punished him after um, his movie's opening weekend grossed uh. like 14 kroner and was horrible, and now he's back on the show as uh, the universe intended, but, you know. I mean, here's the thing about Max. I didn't realize how much I, like, didn't hate him that much until the string of horrendous co-hosts oh, yeah. last year, but now Oof. he's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, we did not get to start with an episode set, as so many are in Stephanie's home state of Michigan. (laughs) But this was a globetrotting episode, which involved uh, participants from three different states, if all of their actual stories were to be believed. Who's to say, really? Um, But yeah, the season premiere of Catfish was last Wednesday, and even though it didn't quite... um, match up with the normal premise of the show, which is, is the person I'm talking to really who they say they are? It was kind of a barn burner and a bit of a departure in that there were two different people who supposedly both separately contacted the show about the same guy, even though we all know what probably actually happened was that the guy contacted the show about the two people he was deceiving, and then they had to work this whole thing out. So what did we think about this episode and the break from tradition in terms of what it means for the show which is somehow some way in its fifth fucking season of people (laughs) being tricked on the internet i think this was one of the clearest catfish watching experiences where i've felt what is the point of this you know i mean i feel that every time but this time it felt like monumentally pointless um (laughs) because it's so clearly like you said tara there's so many like 
machinations going on behind the scenes to make this happen. Yeah. Like all of these people have signed like a zillion releases, Mm -hmm. uh, like probably all three of them independently contacted the show and or got together ahead of time and then agreed to contact the show. Yeah. I have a theory about this, but I'll share that later. Um, and then just the confrontation, like what, what, what's that about? What is this helping anyone? I mean, it never helps anyone, but it just felt even more pointless than usual. And that really is saying something Yeah, because this show is ridiculous. <laughs> At this time I noticed, and I put this in my post and, and I live tweeted it in my live tweets as well, that, that uh, I noticed for the first time that the person, so what happens is these two guys, DJ and Malik, have both been talking to this guy, Josiah, who's supposedly in Philadelphia. Apparently that's true as far as we know. Who would um, lie about that? Sorry, <laughs> I've been talking to him, DJ for seven years and Malik for five years, both of them since they were like actual teenagers because they're all really young. Desai is only 22 and I think he's the oldest. And the other two like since have been talking to him since they were like 15 maybe. Um, and so they both you know, find out about each other supposedly on the show that that Josiah has been talking to both of them and they all think that they're in a relationship with this guy. And then, you know, he's <laughs> so then they have to they decide that they're going to all meet up in Charlotte, which is where Malik lives. But then when they get to this house, I mean, am I wrong? That was clearly an Airbnb, right? Like that was not a house. That and a I think it's one in. we've seen before. You are not a crackpot. Maybe it was just <laughs> so right. it was so anonymous. Or maybe everyone looking. just has that same Wayfair.com couch. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it did not feel Maybe it's good. the same um, set decorator that they used for uh, What's-Her-Face's apartment on The Bachelor last week. Oh. Um, JoJo. Jo- jo- yeah, that also Josiah, Joel, have we seen them together? I don't know. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> Wheels with Oh, my God. Now I'm interested. <laughs> so what happens is then they call Josiah, and he does the thing where he's like, I'm not coming on the show, which is like, if we're watching it, clearly we're going to meet you. Like, that, I think only in... A, one episode did the person say they weren't going to meet and then said they would and then never just straight up never showed up but he you know says they can't come to philadelphia which is hilarious <laughs> he just says i got a lot of stuff going on in philadelphia yeah. <laughs> like is it all happening at the airport that was absolutely my favorite part where like the entire city of philadelphia was off limits and they're like but can you fly to charlotte tomorrow and he's like sure yeah i can work that out like, <laughs> i don't <laughs> I don't have so much going on that I can't get on a plane six hours from now. No problem. Seriously. So then he shows up. It is the person that is in the photos. There was like some sidebar where it was like initially he used fake photos and then he was like, well, this is really me. And that really was him for real. And apparently he never faked the photos with Malik. So whatever. But this guy was just like this. The story just seemed to be this guy is a dick. Here he is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the point was because apparently it didn't work on DJ. Right, yeah. like the the normal, all the normal like catfish excuses, where it's like he's not some like hideous uggo or whatever, and he doesn't <laughs> like he's not like married to a woman. There's just he's not a woman, right? Right, right exactly. Mm-hmm. He's the exact same gender he purports to be. Like mm-hmm. there's 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 a whole big stumbling block of like why why are you doing this? Yeah, which well, and I think there was a whole bunch of stuff like here's my crackpot feeling about catfish. Please. <clears throat> To wit, it should move to uh, Netflix or Hulu or some other place where, A, they could leave the swears in. Yeah. Because there's so many swears. Mm, yep. And we know it's happening. Mm-hmm. And um, the that then they can just sort of play with the episode length. Yeah. 
And we can just skip over Neve's. I mean, Neve would like kick and scream about this because I feel like he really feels it's necessary, but it's also there to pad out the runtime. Yeah. Like, we don't need the couch of reconciliation. <laughs> no one wants it ever. Yeah. And Malik, in this case, like Malik 2016, he was like, the, you know, Chiron was like, uh, Malik wants nothing more to do with any of these fools, chiefly Neve and Max. <laughs> I might, you know, be filling in some subtext there. <laughs> But I think it would be – I think it would just be way better for the show because then each episode would just be whatever it's going to be. Yeah. And if it's like 17 minutes and then everyone involved is like, ew, I hate everything and burns it down and then it ends, yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. But I felt like they could have spent a little more time on – you know, they sort of brushed – up against it but then didn't get into it because i think maybe neve has like cultural anxieties about talking about the differences between um african-american culture and like whatever dominant white culture vis-a-vis -vis being out to your family yeah. and that i think it's still very different for white people versus people of color in that situation that there was this strong bond that formed amongst not amongst really, but between Josiah and each of the other dudes respectively mm -hmm. about um, being gay, being out, being comfortable with yourself, that that was the relationship, I think. Like, I think maybe there was some sexting also, but I don't sure. think that was like the chief aspect of the relationship. And that's why everyone's so pissed and is going on with this for like seven years. I think the two guys were dating other people yeah. in mm. meat space. Yeah. And it wasn't about Josiah, you know, it was about like, we relied on this guy. Yeah. yeah. Emotionally, and he was not who he said he was, which I think that's much more shifty ground for those guys than it would be for... Yeah. Well, the thing that, like, annoys me the most about Neve is that, and Max too, like, the whole, like, conceit of the show is they keep trying to make it about these sort of morals of being true to yourself <laughs> yeah. and this kind of stuff and it's like there's a really much more interesting psychological thing at play which is that these people were taught or texting for seven years and never even demanded so much as a facetime or like pressed it yeah and it's ultimately it's like this is the story of people who don't want to know the truth and like yeah will go to extreme lengths to not know for sure what they suspect and is true. the fact that you haven't like literally porked why is that like why like sort of illegitimize right the relationship that is happening like in some cases it really is sketchy and sad mm -hmm. right and if you take it even at a little bit at face value it's just like these people who are like so long as i don't know for sure that this is bullshit i can at least lie to myself a little bit that it's not bullshit and i need to like go on television to actually rip that band-aid off yeah. and like that's super sad to me and like, but also kind of interesting, but they'll never explore that particular avenue. Well, that's why it was so interesting when there was that vulture post that was like still sort of infamous. And I linked to it occasionally in my posts on the site on previously.tv where I cover catfish every week, but they, that, that, that is actually how it normally goes, that it's the deceiver who contacts the show 
because they want to end it versus the, the, the deceived being very suspicious about it. Because as Joe said, if they were really, really suspicious about it, there would be no story. Like it would be the, the third time you try and FaceTime, you're like, oh, no, I'm in a tunnel. And you'd be like, fuck this. This is silly. But be, but I think, Joe, you're absolutely right that there is a huge amount of like willful self-deception that goes on. In fact, there was an episode, I think, in season two where a person like fully unmasked herself and sent a real picture and the guy was like just pretended he never saw it so that when the confrontation happened she was like i told you and he was like what and then had to admit that she was right and that he just chose to continue believing the lie but i also wonder why they don't turn the show around and just show exactly how it really does happen because i don't know if it would be less interesting if it started from the deceiver's point of view right you know but you know yeah um can i share my theory yeah, please. that's what I was going to say. Okay, well, it's not it's not any groundbreaking uh, stuff here, but I'm just wondering if this was one of those deals where I got the sense from DJ that um, I, I'm not sure how this happened behind the scenes. And actually, to your point, Tara, I think it would be interesting to find out how the show gets made. Like if, if they could just strip away the artifice and just show you exactly how it works with people contacting the show and who contacts whom first. But I'm wondering if... Um, DJ contacted the show because he and uh, Josiah put their heads together and decided they wanted to meet in real life. And then maybe Josiah suggested, oh, I'm also talking to this other guy. Let's get him on the show as well. Um, Mm. Because the fact that Josiah and DJ apparently hooked up after the show is sending up some red flags for me (laughs) that this was just a plane ticket for everyone to meet up and have sex. I mean, that's... There what was I, a, and I, and like I when DJ there's... was like all angry and crying, I'm like, oh my god, this is like his acting reel that he's gonna send in when he tries <laughs> to become like an actor after the, you know, he's like, I'm so mad, and I'm like, no, you're not, like, you know, it's just it's t- his like righteous anger was ringing a little bit hollow. For yeah, me. That, I that definitely think that could have happened. I see that. Cause, yeah, yeah. Because that happened in the last season as well, where there were the lesbians that faked that one of them didn't yep. know what the other one was doing, and then they got found out of like, no, they totally did, but they just did it to use the show to get together because they were both broke. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also that that the fact that we then find out that DJ and, and Josiah may be hooked up at the end of the show, if any of that was on social media, that also puts Malik's like fuck everything <laughs> attitude into a different light if like that was on Instagram, the two of them in bed or whatever, that Malik was like, yeah. No, I don't need to be friends with any of you anymore, which by the way, he doesn't. <laughs> good for good for Malik, whatever the reason to not continue with I this mean, farce. It's- hard to stay friends with someone who's like I don't love you as much as I love this other rando who I'm you know having a long distance sexed relationship with you know (laughs) and he dropped that so casually too where he was just like well I like DJ better than Malik like in the middle of a sentence it was was... like geez with Neve there that's like a charticle for your relationship (laughs) (laughs) if yes then yeah I wonder how much some of this too is you know, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I think maybe I have a little more trouble relating to, um, like compound drama of the young, <laughs> yeah. like mm-hmm. that. And certainly like at their age, which is, you know, long ago for me before fun was invented. Um, <laughs> th- that is sort of the kind of thing that like, I would have continued putting up with it. Maybe. I mean, does that make any sense? Like, I think yeah. that sometimes it's like, well, you know, our our concept that this has to be like 
fake or there has to be more to it. It may just be simple denial of the type that many people in their youth practice yeah. because they haven't gotten old enough to just be like, I don't have time for X bullshit, whatever it is. Right. The, Love, ban- the banality of dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also- like, it isn't. Go ahead. It isn't a conspiracy. It's just people being young and not wanting to accept certain things and trying to, you know, be pain avoidant and. I don't know. Yeah. At this point in the show's life cycle, probably not. But even early on, it was like, why would you put up with this shit? Like, oh, yeah, you're you were, 19. Well, That's yeah. In this, in this case, they were like fairly young teenagers. Like if they started talking to Josiah when they were 15, like, as you say, we all are old. Joe is less old than the rest of us. And Stephanie, too, I think. But like <laughs> you and I, Sarah, are very elderly. And Dave, is, if you could even imagine it. Older Dave than is both becoming of us. fossil fuel as we speak. <laughs> I'm but, young at heart. But we, <laughs> but none of us can imagine what it would be like to like have that kind of access to the internet when we were at that age, like at a at a very emotionally heightened age. Like whatever yeah. they were getting from Josiah was obviously, as Sarah said earlier, very important. What, however, you know, quote real unquote, it was like some element of it was, and you know, there there. The acceptance of what you'll take from online interactions is maybe like more elastic for people that are younger than us and like have different expectations. So I think that's a great point, Sarah. Yeah, but then why go on Catfish? If this is something you're willing to put up with, then why make this big freaking deal about it and complain to Neve and Max and make them, you know, expose this to the light of day if you're just going to be like, nah, that's fine, you know, and keep doing it. That's what I'm confused about. Like, what? who's driving this, you know? If um, Malik and DJ are fine with it, then yeah. I guess this goes back to our theory that maybe um, Josiah was the one who, who contacted the show. Mm-hmm. But there's also the aspect that he was in a real life relationship as well. So maybe his partner was like, you got to end this shit. And he was like, well, yeah. I might as well get some infamy out of it while I'm at it. I mean, who knows? he seems like the type who would do that. He does. Yeah. He was a real yeah. asshole. Uh, speaking is. of real assholes, uh, Neve also has another show, which airs right uh-huh. after Catfish on, on Wednesdays. <laughs> I'll just mention this in passing because it was super terrible. Suspect, which is like Catfish for people who have deceived people they know in real life about things other than their online relationships. Dave and I watched the first episode. It was it was two pounds of shit in a one hour bag. It was so <laughs> so fillery you could not even believe it. A lot um, of corn in that uh, bag of shit there. A lot of something. So yeah, I, uh, I, I don't recommend watching it, but apparently people are interested, so I don't know. I may be forced to continue covering it on Previously.TV. Um, but yes, thank you, uh, everyone, for the insights on Catfish, the weirdest show that is somehow in its fifth season. <laughs> I feel like every season it's it's definitely on borrowed time. So I don't know. Maybe this will be the end. Apparently, the bankruptcy of its production company didn't do it. But <laughs> Max trying to, again, to have a movie career could. So let's treasure Catfish while we can. Hi, Olivia. We just finished watching season 10, episode 7 of Face Off. <laughs> okay. And today the challenge was a gauntlet style uh, episode. Can you tell everyone what that means? It means that there's three stages stage one, stage two, and stage three. But this season they did it different. For stage one and stage two, the people who were in top looks for stage one and stage two 
didn't have to do any more work for stage three, and they got a dinner out from a limousine. The limousine <laughs> gave them dinner? They got taken to dinner. A limousine isn't a chef's home. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you explain the first challenge? Yeah. Do you remember what it was? They had sailboats, and they had to have pirate captains, and there's one thing they must have, a stylish signature beer. And who did the best on that challenge? Walter and Melissa. Did you agree with the judges on that one? Yes, I finally agree with them. Good. <laughs> and then that meant that Walter and Melissa didn't have to do stage two. What was stage two? It's the chaos. It had Pandora's box. And so inside, what was inside each of the boxes? Pre-made prosthetics, three of them. But since chaos is unpredictable... They do, They can't use it where they're supposed to go. A chin piece can't go on the chin. A nose piece can't go on the nose. Lots of people put nose pieces in the chin upside down. Do you think that's a good idea? No, because then it'll get annoying. I'd suggest if you had two <laughs> nose pieces, go up over the brow like horns. Or even one like a rhinoceros horn. That's a good idea. And who did the best on stage two? Rob and Robert, which kind of felt good that we don't have to remember. Wait, Rob did that. No, Robert did that. And then uh, there was stage three was the next day. And what what happened in stage three? Terrifying trios. And what was the trio? Everyone had the same thing. No hearing, no seeing, and no tasting? Speaking? <laughs> it was see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That it's complicated. Okay. It's it's a, an old proverb about. Oh, this one's <laughs> about complicated things. <laughs> it's so that you don't see Action bad parenting. things, you don't hear bad things, you don't say bad things, and you can act like a nice person. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. And who did the best on stage three? Mel. She had a bunch of brain-colored. Parts all over the parts they couldn't see, so see no evil had the brain from the forehead onto the eye. I don't really think it was a, a brain. I think what she was representing was that the skin was cut from her forehead and pulled over the eyes and then sewn down. Okay. And then for here no evil, they had the, the cheeks that were cut and then the skin flap was placed over the ears. It was really so gross. Here. And then the speak no evil had it cut on the chin or the neck, and then they pulled it up and flapped it over the mouth so they couldn't talk like this. There was a time crunch in the third challenge, and Yvonne was having trouble getting everything done. She was a little overwhelmed by having three models. Yeah, and she said if they're not in the model chair, she, they're painting themselves. She tells them what to paint, and they'll paint it so they have something on their body. And she ended up doing really well. Yeah. If you were on the show, would you rather show three complete looks that aren't great or do a really great job on two looks and not finish the third so that the challenge is incomplete? Hmm. I don't know. I would rather do a perfect look in everything. <laughs> well, of course, but if the choice is just only two perfect ones or three that are only okay? Three that are only okay so I don't have to... Oh, I didn't get that one. And they're still in their black uniform. Oh, well, you're in... Eliminated by. Um, can you tell everyone who went home this week? It was Caleb. And why did he go home? Um, I don't know. 
<laughs> I guess just because he was the worst today. Well, not worst because see no evil, she's looking right at you. Hear no evil, his ears are big, huge. Speak no evil, just has teeth all over the chin. Yeah, his concept was that his characters made other people not be able to see, hear, and speak, and that wasn't the challenge. No, it was a great concept, but it would probably fit another challenge better. That's right. So it's better to follow the rules. Thanks for speaking with me this week, Liv. You're welcome, and see you next week for Face Off. I have two comments before you get into the blotter, sorry. One is, uh, that's classic oldest child. I would want them all to be perfect. <laughs> of course you <laughs> would, Liv. Uh, the other was, um, there was a point in the episode where V commented on the guy who ended up getting bounced, Caleb, that she said it looked like two hookers and her pimp. And I guess uh, Liv didn't hear that because <laughs> Leah did not have to explain it. <laughs> all right, proceed. Sometimes it's just better to follow the rules. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> this week on The Blotter Presents, we will be talking about American tragedy. Um, no, not hookers and pimps. Uh, <laughs> that's the other OJ event series from the year 2000, starring Ron Silver, Christopher Plummer, and Ving Rhames. Uh, it's actually quite good. Uh, it's also impossible to find, which I initially thought could indicate one of two things. Number one, that it is an utter embarrassment in retrospect. Uh, or number two, the American Crime Story peeps tried to bury it in advance of their own project so it wouldn't, like, get in the way or be compared. Um, the first thing seemed much more likely and really isn't the case. The casting doesn't seem as brilliant to us today because it's 15 years old, but most of the main players are very good and Ving Rhames is especially impressive. Um, is he as good as Courtney B. Vance in the Johnny Cochran role? No. Is he proportionally much better than you'd anticipate? Totally. Uh, in some ways, it's very much not great. Uh, the actor playing OJ is awful, but in other ways, it's really trying to do something interesting. We actually never see this actor's face as OJ. We only hear him on the phone or we see the back of his head or his face is like blocked by a construction beam or some other character's elbow. And the implication that we're never really going to see what we ought to already know is pretty well done. Uh, I'm not sure I like the digital insertion of the actors into the actual footage from the trial, especially during the reading of the verdict. It's sort of creepy. But generally, using the actual trial footage is smart and saves time and saved some poor sod like Stephen Pasquale from having to play Mark Furman, who was gross. <laughs> um, it doesn't get much into the prosecution side of the case because it's based on Larry Schiller's book. Some of the debates set up between Carl Douglas and Sean Chapman were probably labeled 90s Race Relations 101 mm -hmm. on the note cards. It's not a perfect and complete document, but for something that I had zero recollection of, that I have heard exactly nobody mention in the last year, and that I expected to be the miniseries shame equivalent of Rob Lowe twerking with Snow White, <laughs> it's absolutely worth a look, if only to realize that Ving Rhames is so much more than the ADT guy. Um, <laughs> but please note, I had to watch the shit on VHS. It's that hard wow. to find. Uh, question. Uh, yeah. I have questions, Is Ron too. Silver playing Dershowitz in this one as well? Uh, no, Ron Silver is playing Shapiro. Um, That's interesting. And then Effley Bailey is played by Christopher Plummer, who is that was like, he's wearing so much makeup. Ugh. It looks like someone put an uncooked bagel on his face <laughs> and then put the wig on over that. And at first I was like, who is that? And I looked it up on IMDb and I was like, That's wrong. 
It's definitely not him. That's really funny. Wow. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, you'll never find it. But if they happen to be airing it like on Lifetime and you have insomnia, yeah, give it a look. It's surprisingly good. Because I caught a Reversal of Fortune on HBO a few months ago. And so good. Dur- uh, Silver's good as Dershowitz. In yeah. That. Like he's sort of... He's he's I mean Jeremy Irons sort of blows everybody off of the screen, but like Silver's good. That yeah, movie Silver's is pretty good flawless. in this too. It's not as um chewy and orange sure. a rendition as Travolta's, <laughs> yeah. and maybe that's huh. a good thing. I you know, it's six of one like it's definitely Ron Silver basically, but right. it's still good. Do they what you know, in American crime story they sort of you know, put OJ in neutral ground as far as how Cuba, you know, Gooding Jr. has to betray him, you know, neither innocent nor guilty. Do they Take a stand on this one. Uh, yeah, I would say more of a stand. Yeah. Um, but it's also like sometimes he's sort of like mouthing these lines that are like sort of supposed to put all these like abstract pieces in place as to how you're supposed to feel about various capitalite issues that are in play. This actor is really not up to it. And sometimes the other actors in the scene are like just sort of like exchanging these looks or rolling their eyes. And you're not sure if that's because um, you're supposed to think they think OJ is guilty or that you're supposed to think the actors think that the guy playing OJ sucks. <laughs> but it works on both levels. So, yay. He doesn't like you. He's grumpy after me. He doesn't like fun. That's plain to see. Time to ask. Will Dave hate that? Probably. Today in Will Dave Hate This, <laughs> the miniseries, speaking of ABC and miniseries of <laughs> Kings and Prophets, uh, this thing premieres on March 8th, <laughs> which is, uh, as we record this, uh, a week from tomorrow, so on Tuesday, March 8th. Uh, originally, it was supposed to premiere in fall 2015. However, due to creative changes, according to Wikipedia, it will now air as a mid-season series uh, now. Not sure how many episodes it is. All I know is that it's based on the biblical books of Samuel. Um, and here is why I think Dave will not hate this. He has a track record of being extremely tolerant of uh, schlocky shows that are based on biblical material. We rented Noah for money. We paid American <laughs> money to watch the Noah movie starring Russell Crowe. <laughs> We Has everybody seen Noah, year. by the way? Here, I have. Yeah. With the uh, the fire golem More like no thanks, uh, am I right? Oh, oh my man. god. And it takes some liberties with my recollection sure of does. the biblical yeah. source material. Yeah. But we also watched um, Exodus, Gods and Kings over the holiday. Uh-huh. That one we got to see for free because it was on HBO. Uh, and he watched the whole thing. As far as I know, he stayed awake for it. Yep. So I think he will be... Um, fascinated by this even if it's bad or maybe especially if it's very bad because uh you know based on based on precedent that is my feeling sarah um it is quite possible that i am projecting my own already (laughs) profound hatred of this project having watched one and one half minutes of a promo Uh, yep i don't see how it's possible for any sentient human not to hate this i feel that dave will hate this uh show creator bill collage which is an awesome name just to have guy guy incognito um is the exodus gods and kings guy so that would tend to argue against my position but i really find that and also i had to cover olympus 
all of it for sci-fi and i have been um completely scarred by that experience for all this sword and sandal stuff on tv but this is network despite the flagrant thrusting they showed in the promo (laughs) it's network and i really can't deal with like tv especially like network or basic cable tv trying to game of thrones eyes the bible I don't think it's going to be good. It looks really yellow. This is a major who cares there for me. I don't quite see why Dave would bother with more than one episode. Well, I'm looking forward to his judgment. I hope he hates it for the sake of humanity. Before you answer, Dave, Dave I have some salient information that jumps straight <laughs> off of Sarah's last beep, point. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, time for another tar update. <laughs> there will be an uncensored version available on iTunes. Whoa. So maybe that thrusting will actually pay off Hot with shot. some some biblical nudity. Dave. No. Some biblical knowing. Um, <laughs> yes. So, you know, when they uh, talk about, Here you know, go. finding other Earth-like planets and like <laughs> how narrow the hospitable zone is for humanity. Like, you know, if the Earth was just a couple, you know, yeah. miles one way or the other or tilted or something like that, everything mm-hmm. would be, you know, dead. Sure. Uh, I feel like a, what do they call these, Swords and Sandal show? Yeah. On network TV, like, the opportunity to actually be engaging is so narrow for all these reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, HBO had, I think this is more... a the the app comparison is Rome, not Game of Thrones, I think, for mm-hmm. like uh, an HBO show. And, you know, that was the perfect place for Rome. It was violent. It was, you know, rated R. Everybody's fucking all the time. Yeah, it was past R, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> it worked for HBO. And, yeah. you know, a show like this that's going to live on ABC, right? Yes, but also uncensored yes. on iTunes. Yeah, but... Here's, but here's Google a different. But getting back to the hospitable zone theory yes. is that well, first of all, I didn't like Exodus. God, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. But I watched it. But you watched it because it had its own uh, sort of terribleness. But it wasn't terrible enough to, for me to like say recommend it. It's not <laughs> Legion, right? Okay. Yes. So let me put it this way: <laughs> out of all the things that are out there in the pop culture, you're right gonna now, hate it. Just say it. <laughs> That are like this, right? They're in the sphere. Yes. The thing that I actually would pay money and time to see yes. right now yes. is Gods of Egypt. Because that looks so <laughs> fucking terrible yeah. on a like Transformers, like Revenge of the Fallen, whatever the fuck <laughs> oh, that was, sure. yeah. Robot Heaven and all that. I mean, we didn't know a lot about this, but we were in LA last weekend. We saw a, pr- a billboard for it that showed the like the the robot-y bird creatures fighting each other. Yeah. We're like, what the fuck even is this? Yeah. Uh, and apparently it's super terrible, but it's like super terrible and sort of like a uh, 17-year-old's first AV project in high school attempt kind of way <laughs> that really appeals to me. And that's where like Exodus, Gods and Kings let me down. Uh, then that's where this is probably going to let me down yeah. is that, you know, it's not going to be juicy enough for an HBO style, you know, uh, watching and it's not going to be stupid enough to really make it worth spending. And here's the hospitable zone again, right? Hours, not just two hours, but hours of my time and $20. If you wanted to watch the uncensored version and also a little on the nose. And I just want to let, let's hear a little bit of the promo. Meet my general, Goliath. Uh (laughs) Who will fight me? (laughs) 
Please note, Goliath is not a giant truck. Another reason for Dave to hate this. Who invite me? I am Kirk Douglas. I have come. I used to be Spartacus, but no, I'm good. I had a stroke. So, oh, flowers oh for Goliath. It's yeah. obvious that Dave will hate this. Oh, boy. Once again, I don't know you at all. Um, I just wanted to talk briefly about Togetherness on HBO. Uh, It just aired its second episode this week. Um, My favorite show that it breaks my heart so much that no one is talking about it. It's such a strong ensemble. Um, Mark Duplass and uh, Melanie Linsky play a married couple. Steve Zissis, I don't know how to say his last name. It's Greek. And uh, Amanda Peet are not a couple, but they have a weird friendship. And that's most of what I'm interested in in season two. Amanda Peet in this role as Tina, this like just lost sort of, you know, hasn't quite figured life out. But, you know, attractive woman and still trading on her, like, the privilege of that and, like, has a, you know, a rich older boyfriend, Peter Gallagher, who is also really good, uh, but is not satisfied by her quasi job or by her relationship with him and is, like, confused by her feelings for this guy who is not Alex, the Steve Zissi's character, who's not the kind of guy she would have ever dated before um, and who now has a girlfriend. And that's a whole new wrinkle because Tina is extremely jealous of her. It's like it's it's she's so fascinating to watch in this role. I can't say enough about her. Um, And this the latest episode, uh, (laughs) her plot line sort of came to a head with um, a disastrous game of movie trivia at a party. Tara. Tara, Joe. it's so good. Joe. It's so cringy and so Joe. good. And it's, it's, I was like hiding behind my hands watching it. It was amazing. Oh, it's this it's, it's very simple game where you just go around a circle and you say a movie title and then the next person says the, the name of an actor in the movie and then the next person says another movie that actor was in and so Leghorn. on. Leghorn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're playing this game. It will cause fights, though. That was an excellent, uh, <laughs> excellent topic choice. Oh my god! So, so she gets served dirty dancing, and then the next person in this in the circle after they've moved is this girlfriend, Christy. She's like, "Oh, I've got such a good one," but I don't, oh no, she gets Patrick Swayze, and then she says, "Dirty dancing." I don't know if I want to say it to you. It's so hard, dirty dancing. Like she thinks this girl in her twenties doesn't know any of the actors in Dirty Dancing, and then they get into a fight about whether the star of it is uh, Jennifer Grey or. Or Leah Thomas. Tina thinks uh-huh. her name That was the best part Back of it, to the too. Future. She said Leah she Thomas. She says it right a couple uh. of times, and she also says it wrong a couple of times. It's it's uh, it's such a good, good meaty part for Amanda Peet. Um, I love her. I love her in this role. The rest of it is good, too. But honestly, I'm uh, like 98% watching it for Amanda Peet at this point. So Togetherness on HBO. It's on After Girls. Check it out. I am covering it for Previously.TV. And in terms of a plug, we will have a new episode on Wednesday of Making the Sausage, um, our new podcast about the making of television. Dave, what is our topic this week? Music clearance. Ooh, interesting. Oh, can't wait. Yeah, that's a, a subject of interest to us, certainly on the, again, with this Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, especially this week when there was an extremely yeah. egregious, non-cleared piece of music that was kind of memorable. So yeah, Making the Sausage, subscribe <laughs> on your podcast uh, app of choice. Who will fight me? <laughs> Stephanie. Okay, I want to quickly talk about 
two terrible, terrible shows that I've wasted multiple hours of my life watching. I could talk about just one or talk about zero, which would be the right choice. But no, I'm going to talk about both. (laughs) The first is Fit to Fat to Fit. I can't even believe I'm about to describe the premise of the show, but it's a show where personal trainers gain an absurd amount of weight, like they get morbidly obese and then lose weight along with a morbidly obese client because, you know, you can't be an effective personal trainer unless you too are obese because (laughs) that's how you do it. I mean, it's so it's like trying to be um, whatever that Morgan Spurlock supersize me movie was where he gains <laughs> yeah. all this weight, but it's not interesting. The people are terrible. They're, they whine about it the whole time. And it's also like, why are you doing this? Like no one, like this isn't necessary. This isn't <laughs> helping anyone. The clients who are, uh, you know, being subjected to the fat trainer are all like, well, I guess it's nice that he's willing to do this to show me he's committed to my weight loss journey, but I don't really care. And then, <laughs> meanwhile, the stupid trainer has gained like 75 pounds and is about to have a heart attack. I mean, it's it's crazy. So that's number one. So the second show is Married by Mom and Dad, and it's adults who voluntarily ask their adult parents to find them a spouse who they have never met. And then um, they will go on like a date with the person the parents have chosen and then decide whether or not to marry them. Um, And the people (laughs) who have volunteered for this, as you can imagine, have deep, like something's missing clearly in their lives, but they're also just like bratty, terrible. And I just, I can't get enough of it. I watch it every Monday. Um, Like, as soon as I have a chance to watch TV, I watch it because I think it comes on on Sundays. But anyway, it's over now. But it's worth seeking out just for the sheer cringy terribleness of it. So that's that's my second show that I probably shouldn't be watching. Um, it's on TLC, right? It is on TLC, yes. So they probably <laughs> will rerun it to on? Jesus because they rerun all their shows all the time. So even yeah. if you missed it, you probably have another chance to uh, get in on the magic. And let me clarify, I'm not actually telling people to watch it because... <laughs> I'm just saying I watch it and I just want someone else to watch it so I can like express my feeling. I have strong feelings about it and it, it no one else watches it. And I just feel like I'm kind of shouting into the void. There's a reason mm-hmm. for this that no one else is watching it. But anyway, um, that's my second show. And then for my plug, I am writing about Real Housewives of Potomac. Uh <laughs> So <laughs> I have nothing else to say about that. <laughs> hey, I got a uh, I got a married at first married at first sight uh, fan mail. Oh, from uh, from somebody a few days ago, from six days ago. Uh, oh, yeah. Carmen writes, "I do not appreciate you insulting my son. He is very smart and handsome. Do you have a degree? Do not give a nasty remark if you don't know the person or their family. Shame on you." Uh, Wait, who's <laughs> Wait, who's her son? Uh, yeah. Mom Googling her son doesn't <laughs> like the results. I wasn't a fan of him. And she Weirdly. asks, Who will fight me? <laughs> also, I like how the relevant question was, do you have a degree? Yeah. Do you? Yes. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. All right, Joe, what do you got? Uh, I am currently about six episodes deep on the new Netflix comedy series, uh, Love. Just kidding. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, Love being the uh, Gillian Jacobs, Paul Rust romance-ish kind of show from the uh, Judd Apatow-verse, which is certainly not the 
uh, stamp of quality that it may have once been. Mm. But I'm kind of liking this so far. I was talking to my roommate earlier about it, and he was like, I haven't watched it, but I heard it's just one of those shows about a bunch of assholes, and you have to watch it anyway. And I'm not quite... (laughs) sure if i totally agree with that i feel like the characters are a little more likable than that i feel like they're sort of frustrating characters um but i think gillian jacobs is really likable she's not playing a character very much like her character on community who i also actually liked um but she she has this really sort of interesting energy about her where she's not this kind of idealist romantic or anything like that but she's also not like a gratuitous asshole about stuff like she's sort of in this like really interesting middle ground there have been some really good episodes there was one about a uh a setup date that goes really bad but it goes bad in more interesting ways than normally you get on tv um there was a conceit in one episode where uh this guy the paul rust character his group of friends get together and like jam out fake theme songs for movies which was really funny i thought it was this really funny runner throughout the show um but i need to say the last episode i saw was 36 minutes long for a half hour comedy and that's like a flagrant misuse of the freedom of netflix as far (laughs) as i'm concerned and now we've we've talked about this before um often with regards to shows on like fx but, like, it's a lot, like, I mean, of course it's fucking Apatow, because, like, all of his shit is too long. But it's just, like, 36 minutes on a half-hour comedy feels like three and a half hours on <laughs> a two-hour drama. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, like, it's egregious. And I was just, like, you know, watching the clock for the last ten minutes. Um, but other than that, I feel like the show sort of stakes out this interesting middle ground between sort of what Master of None was doing, which would have these, like, high highs and really low lows. And, like, Love doesn't have either of those, but it's sort of running right through the middle in a way that I'm enjoying so far. Uh, Not quite as good as Togetherness, but um, I'm into it. Uh, So give it a shot. Check it out. Um, For my plug, I will say check out uh, Decider.com. I did a buttload of Oscar shit for the last two weeks, um, (laughs) and I'm hoping that there's at least a little bit of a tale, even though the Oscars are over. I wrote a sort of lengthy plea to have Diane Warren finally win her first Oscar. And last night it didn't happen, even though they had the vice president of the goddamn United <laughs> States on their side. So, like, what else? I mean, it was cl- it was the worst of her eight nominated songs. But still, she deserves one. If we're going to give Leonardo DiCaprio a pity Oscar, like, <laughs> Diane Warren deserves three. So um, check out my stuff at Decider.com. Nice. Who will fight me? <laughs> Terrible fight um, you. The Biggest Loser will fight you. Um, I just wrapped up my coverage of the most recent season, season 17, which is the first season of Bob Harper in the hosting whatever chair scale. Wait, 17, the spread beagle. <laughs> the spread eagle season. No, beagle. The spread beagle because it's big. <laughs> uh, he's, he's fine, but the show, NBC is in a weird spot with the show because they should really cancel it and it really felt like they knew that and they want to the way they burned it off uh two at a time the entire season not that we were spared and speaking of whining about having to eat fatty foods 
oh my God, the histrionics these trainers go into, no matter who it is, there have been like seven trainers over the years. And when confronted with a mall court French fry, <laughs> the fucking histrionic Dracula holy water hissing that goes on, I mean, whatever. Calm down, Jen Wiederstrom. You can eat a sliver of Sabero pizza. Anyway. You shouldn't, but you can. Yeah, you really shouldn't. Um, But I'm glad they're being a bit safer, at least on the surface, with how the weight loss is happening. But that's not very good TV. It seems like NBC knows it's not very good TV. But the show kind of has to keep, like, zombieing along to sustain all the ancillary products that have cropped up around it, like the fat camps and fun runs and co-branding ventures and Bloody Blue. So we're probably stuck with it, even though it's, like, zero fun to watch anymore. And I'm not sure how you would save the show, but I think I am done. Sorry, Bob. Um, my plug is I was going to plug my In Search of Marathon Diary, which is about to reach uh, the episode that started it all, the Nostradamus episode. <laughs> However, um, speaking of things that uh, Stephanie needs people to join her in watching slash listening to, um, we are co-hate listening to Missing Mara Murray. Yeah, We're the ones. Who are doing that, and Stephanie wrote a very uh, great piece for my true crime blog, The Blotter. That's the hyphen blotter.com about what is wrong with the podcast. The short version is everything, but her <laughs> uh, longer take on it is very amusing, and everything continues to be true a few months afterwards. So we'll put that link in the show notes. Nice. Who will fight me? I will fight you. I just want to talk briefly about the X Files now that it's Boo. the 10th season is over. Boo. What a waste of time. Holy shit. Come on, Chris Carter. Get your shit together. Um, well, first of all, there's a whole thing we talked about when we talked about Premiere, which is why did they have to reset it? Yeah. Answer, they didn't. I think that's horseshit. And uh, and then uh, the penultimate episode was this whole uh, Muslim bomber episode. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's 2016, Chris Carter. Get your shit together. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was just like... Like, that should have just been, like, shuffled off to Fox News, like, that episode. Yeah. It was terrible. And poor uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani. Thank you. <laughs> who, pre- <laughs> who had done a whole podcast all of it, like, an every episode podcast on the X-Files, was in a previous uh, episode yeah. season, and then had to tweet, well, that wasn't cool. Yeah. Like, it's not. No. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. And then, uh, but it got good enough ratings that it seems like Fox wants another season. If they oh. do it. Like, I don't know how they save it at this no. point. Like, and it's... like ending on a cliffhanger, too, after a six-episode mini-season is like, that's that's especially a real fuck you to the audience. Basic, like, yeah, I know they're... you want more, but that's that's very cynical. They did this premise a couple of years ago. It was called Utopia in the UK, and it was good. Uh, just watch that instead. There's two seasons of it. It's all about people who need to end the world yeah. to save it. Yep. And uh, they didn't have to start with a really fun alien show and then move to that in order for it to work. Yeah. Uh, so uh, screw you, Chris Carter. You uh, you pump the pooch and so much more graphic than expected. All right, everybody. It's time for the No Knack, the <laughs> oh, evil goateed version of the canon. Mm-hmm. Instead of being a great episode of a show, we're talking about a shitty episode of an otherwise uh, good show. Uh, Dave in Chicago has a uh, has a submission today, and I just want to say the audio quality isn't great. But here's what I started with. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> 
It's better than that, but it's not super great. So take it away, Dave in Chicago. Greetings, Extra Hot Great. This is Dave in Chicago with a no-knack submission for you. Whenever I'm asked about the worst things I have ever seen on television, after I get done explaining the slap, my mind goes to That 70s Show, Season 4, Episode 24, That 70s Musical. That 70s Show as a whole may not be an all-time classic series, but I think it's generally well-remembered for a few reasons. One, it had a talented, even overqualified cast. Two, it knew it was a teen show as well as a sitcom, so most of the time character and relationships actually sort of mattered. And three, it transcended the 70s-ness of it all, using kitsch when necessary, but rarely coasting on just that. The musical episode, however, is a classic case of mid-series bloat. Coming at the end of a 27-episode fourth season out of an eventual eight, the premise is dead simple. Fez has joined the school choir and is now prone to elaborate musical number fantasy sequences. Even for a show that allowed for the occasional subjective scene, this is pretty thin material. There's no B-plot, and there's barely an A-plot. It also dismantles what usually works about the show. It doubles down on the garish 70s references, while also not feeling especially true to the period. Variety shows seem to be the main reference, but apart from a Moominshans bit, the imitation is a vague one at best. Worst of all, though, is what they do to the cast. They make them sing. You don't plan a musical episode of your TV show if the cast is not comfortable singing. It should really be that simple. We all learned this back in 1984, when the Facts of Life girls put on a Christmas variety show at a prison. In the case of that 70s musical, the cast tries but is uniformly uncomfortable. I'll let whatever clips you pull speak for themselves. People singing again? Yes. Good, Paz. <laughs> Some people call me the space cowboy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Love scars. Love wounds. Love more. Of the cast, Topher Grace probably comes across the best. And I don't know if there's backstory here, but Mila Kunis conspicuously chooses not to participate. And she chose to participate in Jupiter Ascending. (laughs) The vocals are rough, and the songs are poorly mixed as well, with the music track frequently overpowering the cast. So there's no story to speak of, and the music moments that are meant to be the main attraction are underwhelming at best. All in all, it makes for a long 22 minutes. Poorly executed, but also just dull. Other things to watch out for. The Who's Roger Daltrey shows up, but does not Mm -hmm. sing. In a nonsense character (laughs) never seen before or after. And there's a Busby Berkeley-style arm choreography sequence that makes you worry that they're going to accidentally hit on some swastika imagery. And then that's exactly what happens. <laughs> I can't claim to have seen all eight seasons of that 70s show, 
but I also can't imagine it got much worse than this. I know that some Nonak candidates are more outright vile or offensive, but this is still a D-minus episode of a B-plus series. It's the kind of thing that gives both musicals and traditional sitcoms a bad name. I'm not opposed to letting a show goof around. There are still a few chuckles here, and if you watch this at all in its first run, you may get some nostalgia false flags by rewatching this. Don't fall for it. This episode knows it is dumb, but the frequent lampshading doesn't actually make up for anything. Lampshading! Real camp is derived from failed seriousness. This is failed camp, a tiresome attempt to be tacky on purpose. I argue that no one should be nostalgic for this one. Thank you, and I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dave in Chicago, thank you for that submission. I will not argue that this episode isn't super duper terrible because holy shit is it ever lackluster i think lackluster is the word here it is just nobody's trying nobody wants to be there nobody's writing good songs nobody's Mm -hmm. doing good interpretations of any of the material tommy chong is there for whatever reason (laughs) doing his shtick and it just is terrible there's just a lot of terrible going on here but i want to say that I don't think this is no neck worthy because I reject that the '70s show is yeah. a good enough show for this that to be is a no problem. Episode. That was oh my thought too, you guys. But okay, so terrible episode, definitely worthy of admonishment. Yeah, definitely <laughs> worthy of a uh, uh, place somewhere. <laughs> Uh, full of black goo and, and rat skeletons or something. Yeah. But the 70s show is like the fucking Big Bang Theory of its day. Sorry to have to tell you like it is. Um, but uh, for me, this is a, a submission for some other thing that we don't have. It's not a no-knack thing. Terrible episode, terrible show. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, first of all, shout out to Dave's elderliness previously mentioned in this episode that he keeps calling it the 70s show like someone's dad. It's that 70s show, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the title right. Liberty Flu. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought the same thing even while we were watching it. Like, is this a terrible episode of an otherwise good show? He and calls it a question. B plus show, but I would argue with that. I mean, I watched it at the beginning. Like, it was okay but yeah it's true it's like it just got bad and by this point it's like you can really see i mean in this episode obviously but like in general what was wrong with the show which is the kids who were in it got too self-conscious and you can tell they think they're too cool for school even in episodes other than this one like this is just shines a spotlight on it because they're all so embarrassed to be doing it but like this is not that different from how winky they were in other episodes like when you consider who was in the cast wilmer valderrama (laughs) ashton kutcher Whatever Masters, Danny Masterson and Laura Prepon, both of the latter of two, well, whatever, less said of what they do in their off hours, the better, but they're Scientologists. And it's so for Grace, who like whatever reasonable people can disagree on his legacy, I guess. I happen to like him okay, but like they're so think they're above it all of the show like they clearly hate their costumes they just hate everything about it and that shines through in this episode way more than others and also 
I don't know what else to say about this that David didn't say or Dave in Chicago didn't say. The cast is terrible. They cannot sing at all. And at least in the Buffy musical, the characters who uh, the performers who couldn't sing like were sort of shunted to the background. But like you can hear in the clips that Dave pulled, you could have given these people another take on them. You didn't have to use their first (laughs) off key, scratchy voiced piece of shit unless they all were like, I'm only doing one take. Get it or I'm leaving. The other part that you don't get in this podcast is just how lackluster the choreography is. Yeah, the and dancing is also really bad. And the wardrobe, like it just looks it just looks like garbage. It's like land of the lost cheap. Yeah. But there's a shot, like Awful. a long shot of Wilmer Valderrama at the front of a dance number, like flanked by what are obviously actual dancers. And like you can see the anxiety in his face. <laughs> like he he's so counting the steps, it's like painful to watch. But Dave is right. Is this an otherwise good show? I don't think it is. And that's the problem because I really want to vote this thing in. It's so terrible and I'm mad that we all watched it. But I can't really argue with Dave Cole's point. All right, Sarah, go ahead. Uh, And now a dramatic reading of my notes up to and slightly past the point at which I took my own life. (laughs) Why the Sesame Street song? What's with the cheap shit dollar store costumes? Tommy Chong is in the credits. Have some fucking dignity counterculture. (laughs) Roger Daltrey, get a goddamn job. And I don't mean CSI. Was this a thing, him trying to have an acting career? 629, I killed myself. I am dead. (laughs) Toilet paper montage is not funny, but at least there's no brutal dialogue. And then some scratch marks uh, that indicate how difficult it is for a non-corporealized ghost to take notes <laughs> on a horrible episode. Um, I, I think I've seen maybe eight minutes of this show total prior to this. Even the promos, just it's everything that I hate about sitcoms. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to be there. Nobody is any good at being there. Even the parts of the episode that seem to be part of like a regular That 70s Show episode annoy me like, ha ha, we're actually baked. Fuck off. (laughs) Uh, The entire concept of Fez is completely offensive. And the fact that none of us has really had to contend with Wilder, Wilder, Bama, whatever the fuck his name is. (laughs) Well, though, not going to work here anymore. Wilmer Valderrama. Is that his name? Yes. Wilmer. Yes. Wilmer Wilmer Valderrama. Valderrama. Yes. Okay. There was just so much going on and I didn't fucking care about any of it. Um, Non-corporeal being. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, this, I mean, this show, I I really, I really want to hear the Nonak music. I also want to give a shout out to Dave in Chicago, who is outstanding at finding crappy old TV and forwarding it to me for the let's go to the videotape feature. (laughs) Um, but B plus show. Mm, Yeah, yeah, I don't, I mean, I am probably going to vote for it, but oh my God, this is so bad that it, it almost made me angry. Like (laughs) this aired and no one, like, was anyone punished for this in any way? (laughs) No, because then there were four more seasons of this show after that. Like if you can imagine it. God. Yeah. I mean, this is really more like a, you know, L minus. Yeah. episode of a <laughs> d plus series but anyway yeah guest what say you oh god um so when i started watching this i didn't know it was a no-nax submission <laughs> that, that was my favorite part was the plaintiff email that was like guys it's this a no-nax? i 
it really took me a long time to cotton on and I was trying to be nice in my notes, but like, <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this show being this lame, but you know, maybe it was an off day. So I used to watch this show, um, because it started when I was in high school, um, because it came on 1998, so I was like 16 when the show started. Mm -hmm. So I watched it for at least a couple of years and found it tolerable. Mm -hmm. I don't remember anything about it other than, you know, that I watched. I vaguely remembered, like, you know, Donna Pinciotti and, like, her dad and stuff. Like, I don't remember any of the plot. And, like, Eric had, like, a slutty sister. That's all I remember. Um, (laughs) So revisiting it with this episode, I was like, God, she died? The actress died. They the had to replace died. her because oh, she died oh, of like oh. a drug overdose or something. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, on that somber note, uh, <laughs> yeah, revisiting She's it with this. She's not the I was only like, one. <laughs> here, here's how I'm thinking about this, you guys. When I saw this episode, I'm like, okay, I didn't have the best taste in anything when I was 16, but I know I wouldn't have stood for this. Um, so that tells me that this truly is much worse than the show itself because um i had stopped watching the show at the point where this came on in 2002 i was in college like i wasn't watching that 70s show but i think that this is like leagues worse than the (laughs) the actual show was i don't know if i'd give it a b plus but even if the show is a c like sarah said this is like an l minus (laughs) like the differential (laughs) between (laughs) yeah i think we're now into like the cyrillic alphabet (laughs) grades because nah and the theory yeah. theoretical elements on the periodic table now. <laughs> yeah it, it's so it's like so many uh magnitudes worse that i think that it could be no knack worthy even if the show itself is not that great you know because this is so so bad you have to commemorate it somehow right yeah right all right joe i don't know um, yeah, I feel like everybody's kind of run the gamut. Um, a little bit to Tara's point about how everybody thinks they're better than the show at this point. Um, and you're right, it's not just in this episode. But like the fact that Danny Masterson finds himself better than anything is so galling. I know. And is so infuriating to watch. Fuck that guy. Like, it's a whole he other is level. Horrible. He's I just want to kick him in the tits. Don't you? It's just like... Even now, it's like two days later and I've been dead for a while. I should be over it. No. But, no, but they're no. all bad. Like, Laura Prepon, if she ever delivered a line without smirking, I never saw it. And I watched the show for a couple, at least a couple of seasons. But anyway, But at least sorry, go ahead, all Joe. those other people have done things, done other projects, done whatever that I've yeah. at least liked a little bit. Like, Danny Masterson has contributed negative one thing it's to true. like the entertainment universe it's, it's really true. really galling yeah. um it's it's annoying that like the music doesn't hang together thematically better than it does like i get like the 70s were like uh you know a little bit of like a hobble together decade in terms of like music but like pick a lane and go the with sesame it. street song it's so Fucking weird leave the children's television workshop out of it thank you <laughs> seriously um I felt bad for the adults because if you if you watched through the end, which I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, um, they had a post credits like Kurtwood Smith trying to nail choreography oh, and yeah. failing, and he was at least like he was at least very endearing and like yeah. was trying and like 
that's a good dude right there, probably, I would think. So, Lord knows, I mean, my perception of Deborah Jo Rupp is that she's a saint on Earth sent by, like, heaven. So, like, she just seems so nice <laughs> in all of the roles that she plays. So, yeah. she's, <laughs> my brain is like, she's probably that in real life, so I feel bad for her, too. Um, I generally give a lot of leash to shows that do gimmick episodes that they're probably a little overmatched for. I'm the one who appreciated the Grey's Anatomy episode, the musical episode that they did for as much of, like, a shit show as that was, I think. (laughs) But again, we've mentioned that, like, normally when shows do musical episodes, even when their, like, reach exceeds their grasp, there are at least one or two people in the cast who are good at singing, and the rest of the cast will, like, defer to them or, you know, do their best to, like, try and keep up in this, like, affable way. And this is just... There's just nobody. It just really feels like this idea got sprung on them at, like, the last minute. And everybody was just like, no. And then their union rep wasn't picking up the phone that day. So they were just like, fuck, we got to do this. And either they're not trying or they're terrified. Like, looking at Kelso, like, you can practically smell the, like, anxiety farts. Like, (laughs) he totally has, like, gas because he's freaking out. He's like, this is really going to be bad. And and I would even feel sympathetic to them if I didn't also feel like they all seem like assholes. They totally do. Like, didn't Jimmy Pardo have a story on one of his Never Not Funnies about, like, his worst experience on a TV show was on that show because they were mean to him? Yes, because they were all Um, just, like, jammed him out and were rude. Like, we're just not welcoming to the guest cast, which is, like, a sign that your show is full of dicks, for sure. Right. So uh, the idea that that 70s show was never a very good show is... Like, that makes sense to me in terms of, like, is could this possibly be a Nonak? But I'm somewhat sympathetic to Stephanie's thing that, like, if the show wasn't really a B-plus and really was a C-plus, like, this really is... It would have to be... The episode would have to be, like, one of the worst shows that, that television has ever aired to be Nonak-worthy. I'm and comfortable like, with that. I'm kind of comfortable with that, too. too. This <laughs> might be the absolute worst half hour of anything I've ever seen on television, and that includes, like... <laughs> dramatic reenactments of like the Kennedy assassination or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, I've watched a lot of true crime, like reenactments and all, some yeah. of which are not even in focus, like not even as an artistic thing. It just isn't because it's on at two in the morning and no one cares. Right. I've seen all of unsolved mysteries hunting for the one segment in which my husband plays detective number two. But still, I have never been able to find it. So what wrong. killed me? This. Yeah. yeah. So I'm on the fence. I, I like, I, I, I'm with Dave and wanting to keep the integrity of the concept of the Nonak. <laughs> but like, it, this is really, this is really pushing it. All right. Well, let's vote. All right. Go ahead, Tara. So uh, the, here's what I'm going to say, because I, I, I tend to side with Dave on this. If it, and here, so here's my thing. This is 100% shit the whole way through. Like, no one is arguing otherwise. The question is, would we, could we conceive of a universe where we would ever vote an episode of this show into the canon. Do we think there's uh, even a canon-worthy episode in the whole run of this series? And I think no. So I'm going to vote no to the Nonak on this on that technicality alone. That is, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, it. That's a good way to argue that's, it. That's, that's yeah. where I'm coming at this from. And there's, but, but to Dave in Chicago, this is a very worthy submission on the grounds that it's, one of the worst abortions of television I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And, and no question. It's so that's just my like so across the board, like ugh, oatmeal-y, beige no try. But for me, this really boils down to, are we going to do another no-knack after this if it gets voted in? Because it doesn't matter anymore. 
because apparently we're just doing shit shows, right. uh, shit episodes of any show. Uh, whereas I think that the the whole concept of the no is good show, terrible episode, not you know a relative a, a yeah. relative distance between an episode normal episode and a really shitty episode. Yeah, so like for, for example, same reason I vote no. I've I've thought about doing like the the. Uh, What's his face mansplains campus rape to, to Kiefer Sutherland's daughter Ooh. episode of the newsroom, but like then the, that's it's the same thing. Every episode of the newsroom is the worst episode of the newsroom, so you can't <laughs> distinguish them, and that's that's where I think this is too for me. Okay, uh, Sarah, um, I absolutely follow that logic, uh, acknowledge that logic. I. And perhaps not in a position to judge this properly because of my well-publicized feelings on sitcoms when I was living. Um, <laughs> that like they're all kind of semi unbearable in the same way for me. So I personally am extremely unlikely to vote an episode of this show that is considered a classic into the canon. But I can envision a world in which it would happen. Um yeah, I'm just, I'm not going to expound on that. Uh, I think that this is, as Stephanie said, orders of magnitude worse than anything else this show did. There will not be another episode of this show that is worse than this, which is also <laughs> part of the known act. Yeah. Um, this episode ended my life. <laughs> I have to vote yes for the known act. All Joe. Right. Uh, Dave Cole, you convinced me with your uh, airtight, nice. airtight argument. So, um, <laughs> thank you for the submission, Dave in Chicago. Never do this to us again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephanie, what say you? You know, I, I, I was, I, I'm really on the fence. Um, but I think I'm going to have to stick with Sarah's logic. Everything Sarah said, I think, is right. I'm going to vote yes. Okay, so. Three to two. We Thank- really searched our souls on this one. Yeah. I love I know. it. Really, it really was both. Yeah. You it, might it, say that we were haunted by the decision. <laughs> yes. Exhausting. This whole process. Yep, it was. From watching to, <laughs> to judging. But at the end of the day, thankfully, thank God, we can keep on doing the no neck now. How come I would this have isn't to find backwards? Uh, by three to two. Uh, I am sorry, but <laughs> that 70s musical episode of that 70s show, not the 70s show, you are not inducted into the no neck, not because you don't suck, because you do. It's because we have to preserve the integrity of the no neck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. All right, let's wash that taste out of our <laughs> mouth with winner and loser of the week, Tar. I love when we get philosophical like that, though. Uh, winner of the week is America's Next Top <laughs> Model, which was canceled by the CW this summer. But, 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 but. It, it was just announced is being revived by page one. However, it's coming back wrong, question mark. Um, Ken Mock, who's been the showrunner on it all along, is still going to be running it. And Tyra Banks will still be an executive producer. But she is not hosting it. We don't know yet who they're going to replace her with. Um, as I said in a little item that I put up on Previously.TV about this last week, there's certainly no shortage of ex-America's Next Top Model winners that they could tap for this to, you know, I guess for the sake of continuity. That would be great. amazing. Yeah. There have been a couple of decent winners in the past. Elise, did she yeah. win her season? She was good. 
I can't even remember if she won. This is the problem with these shows. But anyway. If we can get Carrie D off of those um, psoriasis yeah. commercials. Oh, yeah. Poor yeah. Carrie D. <laughs> Weird dress they put her in. Anyway, uh, so congratulations <laughs> to America's Desktop Model. You live, <laughs> I guess, if you can call this living. Joe. Uh, loser of the week sticking with the uh, American uh, reality shows of our of our golden age of reality TV. Um, American Idol, all possible winners of this, the final season of American <laughs> Idol. You are the losers of the week because, sorry about it, Kelly Clarkson just made you all irrelevant. Um, last <laughs> week's uh, episode, she showed up uh, quite pregnant to uh, perform her song called Piece by Piece, and she managed to reduce the entire in-studio audience and most of the at-home audience into puddles of tears. Keith Urban was like, needed hydration afterwards, I'm sure, because he was just like, all cried out over Kelly. It was amazing It to really watch. was. That I was like, I'm sure it wasn't that great. And watched the yep. clip. I'm like, working the meniscus of the tears. My yep. husband, who doesn't know anything about anything except Bigfoot shows, happens to walk through and like, peeks in and he's like, she's really good. She should win. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> He right you are, it. sir. I, I tweeted that day. I was like, my new, my favorite genre of music are songs where Kelly Clarkson breaks down and then apologizes for breaking down <laughs> because she does that thing where she just like in the middle of the song, she just like she starts crying and she can't quite sing and she's just like, I'm sorry. And that's exactly what she did when she won American Idol the first season and saying a moment like this, Aww. which I play on average once every two weeks just Aww. to pass the time on YouTube. Um, I love <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. I will. I will miss question mark the idea of american idol yeah um, i'm glad we won't have to miss kelly clarkson because her career goes on yep that brings up an interesting question which is this uh-huh Do you know who, will fight, is? You? <laughs> <laughs> who will, will fight you who will fight you that's seven years of my life that i can't get back because you like to play games this ain't fucking nintendo <laughs> <laughs> with the game time intro <laughs> this is the third game time of the season joe's hoarding all the points so far two for joe zero for everybody else today <laughs> sarah debunting we are playing Uh-oh. space oh, no. ah! <laughs> from ian Fay, who earns himself ian. an extra credit redeemable for an extra hot great mini topic of his choosing in space <laughs> you'll identify shows with spacey or astronauty content okay. by the imdb descriptions two Ooh. points for the right answer during the first stage and one point if the clue booster disengages from the rocket <laughs> let's see who's going to go first i love it we will start with Tara. All right, Tara, mm-hmm. Joa, Sarah, <laughs> Steffa. That is our order. Are we ready to play, Sarah? What's the name of this game? Space! <laughs> I love how you reared back for it. <laughs> <laughs> Tara. Yes. Round one. Mm-hmm. Shows with space. I am reading you show descriptions from IMDb. Okay. Spacey astronauty show. Okay. An astronaut struggles to learn how she became pregnant while on a 13th, 13 month long solo uh, space mission. What was this piece of shit show called? Your hint is the lead actor of the show in question. Which if is you Halle. Need it. I, th- I know it. It's Halle Berry. But what was the show called? I think called? it's still on. Oh, uh, I don't think so. I think it got canceled. Mm. Ah! Extant. Extant! 
<laughs> so bad, you guys. Joe Reed, a yeah. 20th yeah. century astronaut, is revived out of 500 years of suspended animation to become the greatest hero of a future Earth. Oh, God. Um... I'm so bad at space stuff. Um, give me the the hint. Jill Gerard is your lead actor. I think it's Gil Gerard. What I say, Jill? <laughs> yeah, Gil. What G I L? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Gil. Yeah, I know you're right. Gil. No, I'm just I'm on auto, I'm on autopilot here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know this. Buck Rogers, oh, sure. the 25th century. Yeah. Sarah D. Bunting. So far, space is stumping everybody. <laughs> Thrown into. A distant part of the universe, an Earth astronaut finds himself part of a fugitive alien starship crew. Of a fugitive alien starship crew. May I have a hint? Ben Browder. Mm. The Brow. <laughs> as all his fans call him. Farsky. And against well, all sense and reason, our first point goes to Sarah D. Bunting. That's for one point, right? Yeah, one okay, point. Okay, got it. All right, Steph. Okay. Pulled to the far side of the galaxy where the space... Okay, I'm going to say space when there's uh, information I can't give you. Oh, okay. Got it. Is gotcha. 75 years away at maximum warp speed, a spaceship must cooperate with the Maquis Rebels to find a way home. I'll read that again. Oh I think goodness. you should just say blank in, okay. in, in place of space. because Blank! <laughs> blank! Pulled to the far side of the galaxy where blank is 75 years away at maximum warp speed, a blank ship must cooperate with the Maquis <laughs> rebels to find a way home. Hmm. You can ask for a hint. I'll give you the lead uh, actor or you can guess for two points. Oh, Elite Actor won't help me at all. Um, I'm going to say... Um, I think it will involve the word Earth. <laughs> I'm going to say... Put <laughs> 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 you out of your misery there. The show in question, Star Trek Voyager. Oh, sure. Voyager. Oh, oh man. All right, oh, my Tara. husband watches that. Yes. A century before Captain Blank... Jonathan Archer captains Earth's ship Blank during the early years of Blank, leading up to the formation really? of the Blank okay. and the Earth-Blank War. It's Enterprise. Enterprise. Good for two points starring Scott Bakula. Eh. <laughs> Enterprise. All right. For Joe, eight astronauts living aboard an international spacecraft on a mission through the solar system as the world watches from billions of kilometers away. You get this, I'm going to mm. give you a handful of Dave points because I've never heard of this show. Oh, no. <laughs> this um, is... Can I get a hint? Yeah, Ron Livingston. <laughs> wow. Yep. Really? Wow. <laughs> Office space. <laughs> 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 I'm probably going to stop doing that, that is, soon. That is, no, no promises, though. Sarah, good that was good. That was a good piece of business. Day. I'm giving you two Dave points hey! for that. <laughs> hey! Um, I am going to guess nothing because I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. A uh, clue. Uh, the name of the show is also, an, I think, a name of a song from Wicked. Defying Gravity? Defying Gravity what? is the name of the wow. show. Wow. 
Yep. Never. <laughs> the wizard and I? Okay. I was going to say Sarah popular. D. Bunting, based on the Lily Copel best-selling novel, which tells the real story of the women who stood beside some of the biggest heroes in American history during the height of the space race. Astronaut wives? Yeah! <laughs> oh. Is that your final answer? Yes. The Astronaut Wives Club. Uh, Close, but no seagull. uh, Okay, Stephanie. A United States astronaut finds his life vastly complicated when he stumbles onto a bottle containing (laughs) a blank. Um, What? A blank. Remember, you can get the lead actor as a clue. We'll drop you down to a one point. Yeah, Sure. Barbara Give me Eden. that lead actor. Barbara Eden. Who? Barbara Eden. Oh, oh my. Um, mm. Barbarella? She's too young. <laughs> oh, we're all too young. No, but. but at least some of us, it was on in syndication. <laughs> I used to watch this when it was and like, Which is what, school. Tara? I Dream of Jeannie. I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah. Larry Hagman oh, playing the I, No, that was on in I just didn't. I'm just dumb. That doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tara. Yeah. A newly graduated doctor is required to set up his practice in an eccentric Alaskan town. Oh, Northern Exposure. And for one Dave point, why does that? In, why is that oh, in this place? Yeah. Because Maurice Minifield was an astronaut, He's right. a retired astronaut who bankrolled the show, who bankrolled the doctor coming right. to town. Okay, Joe. Captain Blank and the crew of the Blank explore the galaxy and defend the Blank. Multiple answers for this one I'm going to give you. Wow. (laughs) Jesus. Captain Blank and the crew of the Blank explore the galaxy and defend the Blank. I'm Star Trek, the original series? Yeah, we'll give you you that. Yep. Okay. That was the actual answer, but I would have accepted Next Generation for that because it fits. Yep. Sarah Bunting, when an old enemy, the blank, resurface and obliterate the 12 colonies, the crew of the aged blank protect a small civilian fleet, the last of humanity, as they journey toward the fabled 13th colony, Earth. The fabled 13th colony, Earth. <laughs> God. Um, I feel like this is very obvious to people who watched the space show, but I am not sure which one it is, so I will need a hint. Your lead actor is Edward James Olmos. Oh, I was right. Battlestar Galactica. You are correct for one point. For Stephanie, uh, this is a... Oh, boy. People are not enjoying the space quiz. Well, Sarah just took the one space show I ever watched, so... There How goes my chance. You Edward James almost got Dramatic it, right? Side. Oh. <laughs> Good one. Sorry. Boy, Go. I, I almost want to take a day point away from you. <laughs> Dramatized, <laughs> dramaticized portrayal of the Apollo spaced, sorry, the Apollo manned space program. Dramatized, probably not dramatized. What'd I say? That? <laughs> yeah. Um, Give me a break. My gee, husband died. Uh, <laughs> I... Oh, I know this one. I, I know me too. Can you give me the lead actor? Not that it will help me. Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh, wait. No. Stop. Really? We can do... These are movies? Tom Hanks this is, is a... your clue. I cannot Apollo provide any 13. more information. I am just a space coyote. <laughs> it's not a movie. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Was... 
the show from the Earth to the Moon. From the Earth to the Moon. Tara. Wait, yeah. was Tom Hanks actually involved? Uh-huh. Produced it, and I think he That's was weird. the one. Yep. Uh, he was the narrator, I think. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. 500 years into the future, a renegade crew aboard a small spacecraft tries to survive as they travel the unknown parts of the galaxy and evade warring factions as well as authority agents out to get them. Firefly? Correct. Two points. Joe Reed, after a crippled test pilot is rebuilt with nuclear-powered limbs and implants, (laughs) he serves a unique intelligence agent. Oh, damn. Um, I should know this, I'm pretty sure. You do. Can I hear it one more time? After a crippled test pilot is rebuilt with nuclear-powered limbs and implants, he serves as a unique intelligence agent. Is this the $6 million man? Yeah! Okay. All right, Sarah. A woman who moves into an apartment across the hall from two blank... Shows them how little they know about life outside the blank. <laughs> Mentioned on this show already. I can give you a hint. You've watched it at least one time. <laughs> at least what? Okay. Um, the Big Bang Theory. Nice. Two points. Stephanie. A young woman's murder case causes the subjects of a century-long mission to populate a new world to question the true nature of the project as they approach the point of no return. Watch this briefly. It was not good. Can you say that again? Yeah, a young woman's murder (laughs) causes the subjects of a century-long mission to populate a new world to question the true nature of the project as they approach the point of no return. Um, I want to say like after Earth. Is that right? It's Ascension oh. from Siffy. Oh, well, I was I was close. <laughs> Number seventeen. It's ready. It's ready. Or Tara, the crew of the Canterbury discover a derelict vessel which holds a secret that may be devastating to human existence. Int. Thomas Jane. Oh, is this that thing we watched one of? Is it The Expanse? Wow. That was not good. People <laughs> like it. Hmm? I think people like it. People like it. Yeah. I mean, maybe <laughs> not it's... people in this room. No. No, it was kind of boring. A space colony... Uh, nope. Yes. A space colony family struggles to survive when a spy or accidental stowaway throws their ship hopelessly off course. Lost in space. Two points. Nice. Very good. They're a debunting, living among the citizens of the infamous blank city in blank are some uh, uh, are some who are not there by choice. They are there to follow a destiny given to them by the members of their dying race, a race that they are someday destined to save. Living among citizens of the infamous blank city of blank. Uh, hint. Shirley Appleby. Sherry Appleby. Sherry Appleby? Yes. yes. Sherry Appleby. Shirley Appleby's. Mm. Uh, that would be Roswell. It is Roswell, and don't call her Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> can't, because it's not her name. <laughs> Bring us into our first score break in the end of round one yep. for Stephanie. Oh. In the not-too-distant future, 
a man and his robots are trapped aboard the satellite of love <laughs> where mad scientists force them to sit through the worst movies ever made. It's Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yay! Yay! Right. I was going to say I believe in you going to the, into the first score break, but I didn't want to jinx you. Okay. Um, Thank you, Tara. <laughs> Stephanie has two points. Uh Okay. Sarah has five points. Joe has six points. I have seven points. Still a very close game. One could say there's still a lot of space to move around. Oh, good one. <laughs> but we should. <laughs> Round two. Now moving on to episode descriptions, but oh. you're still giving me the show in okay. question. Got it. The hint is still the lead actor. Okay. Tara. Yep. The blank staff is called by NASA or NASA mm-hmm. to stop. The International Space Station, or Stution, from being taken over by space pirates. During training, Blank proves to be more than an adequate pilot, while Blank attempts to make drinks in low gravity, and Blank has an unusually weak stomach. Hint? H. John Benjamin. Um, Archer? Correct. The space episode of Archer. Joe Reed... Two Soviet cosmonauts land on the island way off course from their target. <laughs> the blank hoped to leave the island with them when they called their submarine, but the cosmonauts have other ideas. The island feels like it might be a hint. It might be. I'm trying to I'm trying to picture where this would fit in that, though. Um Sorry, Joe, it's not can temptation. I hear it one more time? You want to hear it again? Is that what you just said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I Two Soviet cosmonauts land on the island, way off course from their target. The blank hoped to leave the island with them when they called their submarine, but the cosmonauts have other ideas. Uh, can't hint. I need a hint. Bob Denver. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island is the I was trying record. to think of like if it was like a flashback episode of Lost, Lost. where they go back to like... Uh, yeah. Early times, whatever? I don't know. Okay. All right, Sarah, here's your first episode description. The tables are turned when production begins on Blank's new talk show, Deal Breakers, and she experienced what it's like to walk a mile in Blank's shoes. Blank, dealing with pressure from Devin, calculates how to make Deal Breakers a success. Despite the uh, hopeful Devin reference, uh, can I have a hint, please? Tina Fey. Uh, 30 Rock? Yep. <laughs> Astro, what's the guy's name? Astro- Astronaut. Oh, Mike. Mike, Mike Dexter. Dexter. Oh, was yeah. that my, uh, Matt Damon? No. No, weirdly not. Astronaut Mike Dexter is her, like, fantasy boyfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> blank, Stephanie, Blank okay. runs into an old friend when the team investigates the rape and murder of an astronaut. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, um, this is, uh, Law and Order SVU. Yeah! You are correct. Yeah. <laughs> Taking it personally in space. Amazing. Is James God, they, Brolin. They Dang. rerun this one all the time. Rape. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Too <laughs> <laughs> soon. Well, blah. Goodbye. <laughs> Lost <laughs> listeners. Sorry. Nice having you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> While Blank and the Republicans deliver a flawless, albeit predictable convention, the Democratic convention looks to be more like a pie fight as there is no clear favorite. An air leak on the International Space Station will kill all three astronauts unless a rescue mission can be launched. NASA advised that their shuttles are unfit for flight, but then hints at another solution. 
I'm going to just guess this is the West Wing. You are correct. Ooh. <laughs> Joe, blank. Yes. Blank and her team must determine how a man was flattened in a pasture when his injuries don't coincide with the theory of the crime. Is this fringe? Mm. Ah. Blank and her team. Her is uh, Emily Deschanel from uh, ah, Bones. Damn it. Bones. 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 Sarah. <laughs> the team tries to track the person murdering men in homes that are for sale, and Larry's dream of space may be in jeopardy. Larry's dream of space. Larry, Larry, Larry. Oh, shit. Larry. Um, that delicious Lead clip. actor? David Crumholtz. God damn it, I was going <laughs> to guess that, too. Numb three-ers. Numb three-ers. Good for one point, but in uh, honor of that show, three day points. Yay! I'm <laughs> yeah. Wow, I'm racking them up today. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Despite everyone's yep. disbelief that a hero making the news is actually a cold-blooded killer, Blank tries tries to prove that a celebrity astronaut is responsible despite an airtight alibi. Uh, airtight. Uh, well, sorry, can you say it one more time? Despite everyone's disbelief that a hero making the news is actually a cold-blooded killer, Blank tries to prove that a celebrity astronaut is responsible despite an airtight alibi. Guess uh, um, the show or get a prosecutor. clue. Prosecutor. So the Law and Order original? Mm. Incorrect. Tony Shaloub in Monk. Oh. Oh. Monk. Tara. Yeah. A female astronaut. <laughs> what? What? Is found what? murdered in a hotel room on the morning of a press conference. The investigation leads to several suspects, including a jealous professional rival, an ex-boyfriend, and a merry space shuttle commander, Tate Donovan, with whom the victim was having an affair. Oh, God. It could be any of them. Hint. Vincent Dinoff. Okay. Law and order criminal intent. Correct for one point. Oh, Dinoffrionics. Joe. Yes. A Navy astronaut dies during a drill <laughs> while preparing for a space mission to repair a satellite. A Navy Maybe. astronaut, you say? Blank and blank investigate. After Maybe. a second casualty, they not only identify the person responsible, but also, also prevent destruction of the satellite. Navally. Navally. Um, <laughs> NCIS. Well, Joe, everybody steered you wrong. Mm. Ah, all their comments. That's a little show called Jag. What? No! Uh, the other one. Joe! The other one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going there too. It's fine. Sarah Bunting. Mm hmm. In an effort to increase the dismal television ratings for their space launches, NASA decides to send an ordinary ordinary man into space, and Blank is chosen for the task. I like NASA. <laughs> ooh, ooh la la, Mr. Frenchman. They say, um, oh. it. Dan Castellanella. Castellanetta. Castellanetta. The Simpsons. Simpsons. All right, Stephanie. The yep. Blank Rangers must save an experimental space plane after a meteor strike. The Blank Rangers. Can I have the hint, please? Corey Burton. <laughs> <laughs> Lead actor Corey Burton. 
Am I supposed? To, I don't. No, you're not. Um, no, you're not. Oh, I wish it were the Mac Rangers. That's what we were all they thinking. Said. Rangers. Uh, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> That's Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> yeah, really. I used to watch that. Yeah, see, <laughs> I did too. Peter Fetch. All right, let's get the, the scores. Okay, uh, Stephanie has four points. Yep. Joe has seven points. Sarah has eight points. I have eleven points. All right. Wow. All right. Still pretty close. Uh, mathematically, we're still we still got a game, and we're back to turn. Yep. Three astronauts touch down on an asteroid where they discover a world of people that appear to be frozen in time. Confused, they theorize as to why everyone is motionless until a man springs to life and explains. Hint. Rod Sterling. Rod Serling, maybe? Sterling. Sterling. <laughs> Is it the Twilight Zone? Oh, God. I actually typed Sterling here. <laughs> it is. You probably typed Serling and it got auto-corrected to Sterling. Let's, let's pretend that happened. I'm sure it is. Go read. Yes. Blank leaps into a chimpanzee used in the early days of the space program and has to save a fellow chimp from testing that will result in his death. What the fuck? Leaps, you say? Yeah. <laughs> um, Quantum Leap. Starring Scott Bakula. Bakula. Chimpanzee. <laughs> God, I remember that episode. Uh, Sarah. Brace Deals. yourself. Uh, no names redacted because they're all generic sounding <laughs> names. Brian tells Joe they need to drum up more business and suggest they hire a celebrity spokesman and the man Brian wants... Him to consider is Ace Galvin, a former astronaut. You know, so Brian brings him over to the island while trying to schmooze him, and he goes around like a wild man, which makes Joe wonder if he's the right man. But when it comes for t- for him to sign, they learn that Roy snatched him. Roy spends his time gloating until he learns of his latest antic. Brian and Joe, you say? Yep. Yes. Um... I'm, ass- I'm assuming they have mullets. Speaking of Tony Shalhoub, uh, is this Wings? It nice. is Wings. Yeah. Nice. Wow. All right, Stephanie. The creator no and idea. prototypes of a no-calorie chocolate chip are missing. The blank agency is hired by three different people to locate them. I, um, so what does this have to do with space? <laughs> Um, because those chocolate the... chips are out of this world as well. Oh, can I? Oh, good one. <laughs> can I have the actor? Pierce Brosnan. <sighs> that guy. Um, <laughs> I don't like. I didn't. I don't know. Sorry. So young. Remington Steel. So oh. there's an astronaut involved in the cookie thing. Oh, yep. okay. All right, Tara. Yeah. Blank's decision to make over a plain Jane as part of her candidacy for hostess of banquet night is the one she may live to regret. Okay, hint. Lawrence Henderson. Mm-hmm. The Brady Bunch? Yes, okay. the astronaut is the guest of honor. Oh, all right. Joe. Yes. Space. Blank. Blank tries to cryogenically freeze himself so he doesn't have to wait for the new Nintendo machine. And Blank falls for the new evolution teacher and becomes an atheist. God, of course. Um, South Park. That is good for two <laughs> points. 
so disgusting. South Park. <laughs> fucking South Park. <laughs> Sarah, when a space shuttle mission is sabotaged, Blank suspects it may be the work of an alien spirit that inhabits the body of a former Gemini astronaut. X-Files? Two points. Nice. Nice. Your hint was history's greatest acting robot, (laughs) David Duchovny. Sorry, Stephanie. Go Tigers. Blank and Blank traveled to Florida for a dinner in honor of his father. Blank gets into an argument with a neighbor of his parents over a pen. Yep. Uh, actor, please. Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, Seinfeld? <laughs> Correct. The astronaut pen. The astronaut Take pen. Take the pen. Okay, let's hear the scores. Oh, boy. Well, Stephanie has five. Joe has 11. Sarah has 12. I have 13. Okay. The well, stakes have never been higher. <sighs> well, that was the end of the game. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's the end? Yeah, that was anticlimactic. Tara. No, well, you give us Good job, Dara. Paste. All right, well, let's do the shits and giggles. Okay. First okay. person to uh, shout the answer wins uh, five day points. Almost two years after a virus wiped out most of the human race, blank only wishes for some company, but he soon gets more than he bargained for when that company shows up in the form of other survivors. Last man on earth. Last man on earth is correct. Ah, That's good for five day points for those valued guests. Sorry about that. I did say two rounds in a night this time. Yeah, but you normally. Yeah. It's been a bad day for me, guys. (laughs) It's okay. Suddenly I can't say names. When did that start? (laughs) This sounds like a case for Rod Sterling to investigate. (laughs) Ah, A dramatization of Rod Sterling's dramatization is what you said wrong alright everybody fuck off alright well that's it for another episode of Extra Hot great we told the internet this was a new episode of The Nerdist and y'all fell for it but it was really just Extra Hot great catching up on Catfish Liv saw heard and spoke plenty of evil thanks to the latest mind warping face off (laughs) we argued whether or not Dave will hate of Kings and Prophets before Sarah hopped in her white bronco of criticism and drove directly to 1267 American Tragedy Way. <laughs> we then went around the dial with stops at Togetherness from Fat to f- from Fit to Fat to Fit. Yep. Which is also a really great uh, poppycock and uh, crunch a munch alternative. <laughs> Married by Mom and Dad, Love, The Biggest Loser, and The X Files. Dave from Chicago unsuccessfully off pitched us that ah. 70s show's tone deaf nice. musical. For the Nonak, we crowd winners and losers of the week. And Tara was the winner of this week's suddenly ending space <laughs> game time. Remember, we're listening. Why ah. I am David T. Cole. Looking forward to a long nap. And on, half, on behalf of Tara Ariano. This ain't fucking Nintendo. <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting. Why can't we FaceTime? Joe Reed. <laughs> More like unhappy together. And Stephanie Green. My webcam is broken. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Green. Who will fight me? <laughs> this has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network.